Are you finding it challenging to navigate the complexities of parenting adult children? My guest, Dr. Jim Burns, is here to reveal some strategies for building trust and open communication on this episode of the Executor Help Podcast. This is the Executor Help Podcast. Learn how to settle an estate, pick an executor, and avoid family fights. For more information, go to davidedy.com. Now here's your host, David Edy. With me today is Dr. Jim Burns. He is president of Homeward. His goal is to help families succeed. He's also the author of many books, but today we're going to be talking about doing life with your adult children. Keep your mouth shut and the welcome mat out. So first off, Jim, thank you for being here to talk about how to deal with adult children. Hey, great to be with you. And pretty much you summarized, we could just close down the podcast, keep your mouth shut and the welcome mat out. Is it that easy? Wow. Well, oh, it's problem. not that. It's not easy, but it's kind of what we need to do. Well, why do you believe that being the parent of an adult child is probably much more complicated than you've imagined? And you actually, you say it's kind of an oxymoron because they're going to violate our values that we've taught them, and they've chosen a different path that we might have chosen for them. Why is yeah, it so well, hard? That's, that's the story. I mean, I think when our kids were little, we thought they were just going to come right under our wing, and we invested two decades of our life, sort of being in control. By the time they're teens, we're not totally in control. But then one day they become adults and they're their own people. And we have to figure out how to reinvent that relationship. And I remember my wife saying, as my kids you know, started saying, well, I'm an adult. And we're, we're saying, but yeah, but you, we're still paying for your college and we pay for your insurance <laughs> and we pay for your cell phone. My gosh. And they're going, yeah, but I'm an adult. Well, then act like an adult. What we had to realize, Kathy said, wow, did didn't see that coming. So I think we have to prepare for those times. And really, here's the reason, David, we were never the parent of an adult before. So we don't know what we're doing. And they've never been an adult. So they don't know what they're doing. So it's this interesting season where neither one of us know now how to parent or how to become that adult, how to be that adult. Uh, And especially with millennials and Gen Z, which we're talking about when we're thinking about the younger generation, say 40 and under, uh, they they are meandering toward responsibility. They are meandering toward things like marriage or uh, having children. And and that wasn't our case as much. Yeah. Now, I know the idea for the book came from one of you uh, a few years ago at one of your Homeward conferences where you had seven focus groups with parents of adult children. Can you give me a little bit of insight on what you learned? Was there anything that surprised you? Do, Do you have a story about one of the focus groups? Well, Interesting enough, when you when you look at the focus groups, and I learned so much by asking people, I don't want them to just hear from me. And it was actually at a at a conference where I was speaking on this subject, but I still was going through it like crazy with my own kids. I hadn't written a book on it. And uh, again, what I found was that I found people really didn't know what to do. They were in shock that a lot of their kids, you said the words, had violated values, had strayed from their own faith, had... Uh, didn't want to be with their parents as much as their parents wanted to be with them. And these people were looking at each other saying, wait, we don't know what to do with our kid. Plus even finances. I mean, do we keep paying for my kids, even though they they graduated from college, but they haven't gotten a job. And so do, but they, and they expect me to still pay for them. What do we do? How do we create, even on the money side, how, how do we help them become responsible adults um, fine, or responsible finance adults financially? And so I found a lot of confu- more confusion mm-hmm. and saying it this had worked. We were in control and now we're not in control anymore. 
Plus, they don't want to hear our advice. And that shot, I, I would say one of the biggest things in there was uh, they didn't want to hear our advice. And I can remember person after person, when you're talking about a story, person after person would say, wait, I, I really give good advice. And my kid is not wanting to take my good advice. And what what is wrong with me? You know, they're saying, you know, why why does she need to go to Europe to find herself when I have all the answers right here in the living room? I can give her all the answers she needs in the next 10 minutes. <laughs> right. But hard, complicated. Well, it, it comes down to having a conversation or giving a lecture. So what's the difference? Well, a conversation, I'm, I'm for conversation at all times. And conversation, well, sometimes you got to give a lecture to younger kids. Yeah, I don't think you give lectures to your adult kids unless there's huge addictions or things like that. And even that may not work. But a conversation is a dialogue. And so I'm not for the one topic conversation. Let's, let's take money. I'm not for the just have a conversation with your kids about money one time. I think you begin a dialogue of conversation that's the more effective way to do it. I think that's how you do it with morals and values and, and lifestyle issues and things like that. It's, it, it's creating a conversation. When they become adults, so you you are a, an adult parenting a, a child or even a teenager. But once they become adults, now it's an adult to adult. And adults adult to adult, you do conversations. You don't do lectures. I'm here at Homeward where I work. I'm not going to lecture people in here. I'm going to have conversations with them because they're adults. I'm going to treat them like adults. So the hard thing for us is, is we've been treating them, maybe rightly so, as children. Now that they're adults, they don't want to be treated like that. They don't even want our advice because they feel that if we give them advice, that we're saying you're not grown enough to make a good decision. And in our mind, the bubble says, yeah, you're not grown enough to make a good decision because you didn't make a good decision. But what they need to hear is, I believe in you here's the passport to adulthood. You're good. Wow. But what are, I know in the book, you talk about some of the toughest and most common uh, issues faced by uh, parents who are struggling with their adult children. You know, having that conversation, you don't want to come off as if you're lecturing. Are, are there some other common issues that makes things tough on, now I'm going to say, because well, I do have an adult child. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, well, I, I mean, again, you can talk about lecture, but even advice. One, my principle number two in the book is, uh, you know, kids will often take advice that we don't trust them, and and so they they don't want advice. And so, you know, I, you can't see it here uh, on video with me and you talking, but I have this major scar on my tongue because I have to bite my tongue all the time because <laughs> that's what I do. I mean, but I find that. When we quit giving advice, we can then become a mentor. And when they ask for advice, you know, there was a great movie, or at least I loved it, called Field of Dreams. And they planted a baseball diamond in the middle of Iowa, the state of Iowa, in a cornfield. And they said, if you build it, they will come. What I have found is that my relationship with my children, my adult children, they ask for my advice. But I don't, if I give them freely advice that, or just me always blasting out advice, they, that's, that's not acceptable to them. Um, and it's hard. I even had to, one time with my daughter, Christy, I, I remember saying, hey, can I have permission to, to speak into this? And she said, not now. <laughs> I was wait, wait, people pay me to give them advice. What do you mean? Um, but she then had to learn because here's the deal, David, experience is a better teacher than advice. We know that when our kids are five, if they put the finger on the burner, they're not going to do it again. But it's the same with adult children that sometimes they have to experience um, tough stuff. An adult decision and adult consequences are often harder in, in relationships and things like that. But 
experience is a better teacher than advice. And we have to understand that. So sometimes we do have to keep our mouth shut. Same time, keep the welcome mat out. But that's a, there's a grief in this. And it, when your kids become adults, I think what we lose um, is the thought that we, we never thought we would have to grieve this. But there's a part of us all that kind of grieve. The relationship is different. They don't need me like they used to need me. And um, we still want to keep doing the same things. And that doesn't seem to work. But it sounds like, you you, you know, when you're asking... It sounds like they're going to take the information, but it's like a buffet. They pick and choose what they want from you. When you know, yeah, okay, that makes sense. What you're saying, yeah, that or something. Nah, I'm going to move on down the uh, down the line. Yeah, I've never thought of it like that, but it kind of is. I mean, I wish I, I wish there was a magic wand we could wave, but yeah, we if we put something into you know in a dialogue with them, if we you and I could be having a dialogue about how we handle money and. You may go, well, that's a good point, Jim. And then another point, you go, I, I do it a little differently. Well, that's what we begin to do with our adult children. And all we can do is have that dialogue and, and put it in front of them. Uh, sometimes they're going to choose not to do it, even though we think and sometimes know that our advice was better than what they're doing. It's tough. It's, I know it's because well, yeah, I got an adult child. I, I always, maybe I shouldn't say it, but I, I, I can see what he's doing and I can see 10 steps ahead of, in front of him before he gets there. And, but I'm, and I'm just trying, and I'm just trying to let him know this is those 10 steps ahead. This is going to happen to you. And more often than not, he's not going to listen. So, no, right, right. I mean, what I, I said to a woman the other day, daughter was 19, moved in with a guy who was 40 years old, which I never suggest is a great idea, period. Mm. And, um, and she, she's, she's one topic parent. She's totally heartbroken. And I said to her, I said, does she know what you believe? So does she know about those 10 steps that could happen here? Does she know how you feel? Yes. Then you have to then keep your mouth shut and, and widen the audience because uh, the uh, the experience, I mean, not the audience, widen the, you know, still go to shopping with her, still have other conversations with her, but she knows how you feel and what you believe. So, you know, it's the same thing with your son or my kids, because I feel the same way that sometimes we just have to lay it out there. They're not going to take it and go, that is the best advice. Thank you so much. You're amazing. Sometimes they will, but most of the time they're not, but they appreciate your wisdom. But if we cram it down their throat and we're still trying to parent them like they were when they were not, not adults, um, they're not going to listen and they, they want freedom. And yet they still, it's so hard as a parent to look and go, wow, we did not teach them to act, act that way. And it's, but it's also, as I'm talking to you, there's also going to be times where they're going to surprise you and they're going to say stuff like, well, they actually were listening when you were you you might have been saying something to them and they're going to say they'll come back in like and, and I'll say to my partner, Susan, like he was actually listening. I, I can't believe yeah. it. Yes. <laughs> right. Well, I, I, I think that our adult kids are great at really looking like they're not listening, but they all take they're taking everything in. But yeah. they they need to figure it out on themselves sometimes. So, you know, I mean, I, I have a friend who his daughter uh, got arrested really a neat kid, got arrested. She was 18 and she was driving with an open container of alcohol. So she wasn't even, she was right at the DUI level, but she, he has plenty of money. He could have paid an attorney to get her off of that. And what he did was he said, no, I'm not going to do that. So his daughter, and again, they have a lot of money. They could have caused her no pain on this. She went to DUI school. It was on her record here in the United States for, um, for 10 years. 
Uh, her insurance went up. She had to pay for her insurance. When she got a job, it would have been on her record, you know, all this. Well, 10 years later, guess what? This girl is not drinking and driving. And maybe they saved her life because she was just, I love this girl. I know her. You know, she's fun. She's outgoing. She was being goofy. She was 18. That's what 18-year-olds do. Most 18-year-olds have done that. But he didn't bail her out when he could have. And when I and I think that was a really wise idea. He loved her. He said, oh, I'm so sorry. There's some circumstances for this. But he didn't bail her out. And I think as parents, sometimes we, we have to let our kids learn the hard way. And maybe it's going to save their life. I don't know this because I don't think this girl was, I hope she wasn't going to abuse alcohol and drugs and all that kind of stuff. But she was doing something that was not smart. She was driving with an open you know, container of alcohol and looking while she was driving. I love in your book, you've, you've got a friend of yours that says there's a time to speak up and there's a time to keep your mouth shut. Problem is they haven't figured out, figured out what to do, when to do it and when. So yeah. in your opinion, when's the best time? Well, I think the best time is when they ask for advice, unless there there's major issues. Again, if there's addictions, there's uh, abusive situations, or if, you know, a lot of times, like in doing life with your adult child right now is a bestseller on Amazon, right? So a lot of people are reading this. But one of the things I say is if your child has adult ADD or they have autism or there's some kind of mental illness, the principles that I'm writing about kind of don't work because no parenting principles are going to work with kids who are, you know, in kind of that that tougher time. So sometimes uh, a parent will have to, if their child say is on the spectrum with uh, autism, you know, they're going to have to treat that adult child differently than I would treat my three who aren't. So I think, I, but I think much of the time we have to be very discerning. And, you know, again, I have no problem giving advice, but I'll say to my kids, hey, do you mind if I, if I, you know, do this? Last night, we're having a big event this weekend. My wife is turning a big birthday and my three daughters are taking, well, I'm paying for it, still, still paying for it, even though they're adults. I'm paying, they're going to a great resort and they're going to have a wonderful weekend minus me. And I'm still nosing in to try to get the transportation thing going, right? And so I called my daughter and said, hey, look it, I just want to make sure, I don't think her idea is the best for transportation. So I said, I want to make sure that you are, are right on this. Are you feeling that's what you want to do? And she said, yeah, okay, great. So I said, okay. Now I think she's making a poor choice, but you know what? She can decide herself. It was either take the train or drive and Los Angeles traffic. And I would never want to drive in Los Angeles traffic. So I said, you know, you're going to get there about seven when the others are going to get there, when the train would get there at five. She goes, no, I want to drive. I went, okay. I guarantee you, David, that she's going to say to me, you should have pushed me on the train, but it's up to her. <laughs> okay. You pick your, you keep the welcome, welcome mat out, shut your mouth. That's all. Absolutely. In the book, you talk about leaving an impactful legacy. When are there times of tension or deep disappointment? Well, I, I think we have to lean into our times of tension and deep disappointment. I think there's some disappointment. You've talked about kids violating values and whatnot. Then, you know, let's face it, that there's some deep disappointment in that in our life. I don't think we necessarily have to share that with the kids all the time. I think we have to get help for ourselves on that. You know, one of the great losses is when our kids become adults. It's funny that we say it that way, but it is is because now that we're not needed um, or they're going to make those poor choices. So I think we lean into it. We get the help we need in doing that. That could be counseling. That could be reading a book. That could be you know, getting on the same page with somebody else or just having coffee with someone who's already been through it, but also realize there is going to be tension. And the way to relieve some of that tension is to put 
it out there and say, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like we're having some tension here. Do you want to talk about it? And if the kids say um, they do, then you talk about it, but don't go tit for tat. You, you're now, you don't have to always win the argument. Uh, I have found that there are times when I just need to l- be a listener. Listening is the language of love. And I think adults appreciate listening. So there's times when, you know, again, going back to, you know, keeping my mouth shut, um, you know, one of the breakthroughs, and this is kind of sideways, but I think it's when family serious fun. So with adults, when we have serious fun together, I find that my kids open up more when we're having fun. And that like last Saturday, uh, we were all together and we had Mexican food in Los Angeles. We, we live uh, about an hour and a half from there. So we came up to see one of the kids, but we're all together and we just laughed and had the best time. What was interesting is walking out in the parking lot, my daughter asked me a mentoring question. And she doesn't always ask me those mentoring questions, but I think it was because we'd had so much fun together, just laughing and goofing off. I mean, nobody would have said it was meaningful, but, or was it? Because fun sometimes breaks open a closed spirit. But if I'm going, you know, hard at her for some, you know, decision that she's making as an adult, I'm just closing her spirit. So it's in the midst of sometimes you have to do that, but when you do it, you're taking withdrawal instead of giving a deposit. A deposit is sometimes, honestly, just having you know, having fun together. Earlier, you were telling the story about your friend who could have bailed out his daughter. And if she she was going to be bailed out, clearly, and she knew that she could have been bailed out, you know, that's the sense of entitlement. And you talk a little bit about the entitled child. How do you handle an entitled child? Because, you know, a lot of times you could be just enabling them and yeah. or, or are you helping them? How do yeah, you? Well, we to, well, that's the question. We need to know the difference between are we enabling or 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 helping? Every I, I never see parents with poor intention. They're trying to help their child, but sometimes we enable dependency on us. Let's take money for example, because that's the big issue. Right. So a lot of times, what we'll do is we'll enable dependency because we keep giving them money because we we want them to you know live in a nicer apartment or we want them to you know, have something special. I mean, honestly, one of the illustrations I give in the book is about a couple who I've met who they took money out of their retirement um, to help their kids build or buy their dream home, which is nicer than their home, parents' home. Yeah. And then the kids didn't have a plan to pay for the mortgage. It just wasn't working. And so you know, they started helping with the mortgage. Finally, there's tension in the home because they're saying, you need to pay this mortgage. Well, we can't. Yeah, but you went on a vacation. So now there, now there's tension in the relationship. And what I'm saying to the parents is, I don't think it was, a, they were enabling dependency on them because from the get-go, that kid did not need the, as nice of a home. I mean, they didn't. these people didn't start with it. They didn't have as nice a home then. So I don't have a problem with people help, with parents helping out their, parent, their kids with money. 75% of people do, but not to enable dependency on them. And uh, so, and that's an extreme illustration. But, but is but, that because the parent... Once I want them to have better than I did. I I think that's partly the case. And I see no problem with that. Their intentions are okay. But this man was now going to have to work longer with his retirement plan because he had taken money out of his retirement funds. So he, that was not a smart move. Those, when Kathy and I first got married, we lived in a little tiny apartment. I went to Princeton. I paid $97 dollars a month when and again I now sound like my dad talking about how cheap things were <laughs> but, but I, I you know Kathy and I stayed in this little tiny apartment you could see everything but the toilet from our bedroom and we did okay so we don't have to make our kids we're not responsible for 
our kids um, great financial success. And if we think we're doing that, we're only enabling them. When they're enabled, they become entitled. When they become entitled, there's a failure to launch. And for me, failure to launch is responsible adulthood. It's all about responsible adulthood. So are we doing the things to help them become responsible adults? So why are parents so afraid to have those conversations? Well, again, no role modeling from their own life, most likely. And then also they want to please their kids. I mean, you know, who's in charge here? You know, I, when I tell parents, I'll, I'll say to parents of teenagers, I wrote a book called Understanding Your Teen. And I one of the themes on it is lead. Don't let your teenagers lead. Now, again, you don't you don't have to lead. People who are good leaders aren't horrible, mean, you know, always spitting and spatting at them. Leaders model things, but they also bring up issues. And so I think you bring up the issue. It's a continual dialogue. And so I think parents have to have that conversation with their you know, with their adult children too. I mean, take the lead, but don't lead, as you said, in the form of a lecture as much as you know, more of a dialogue. What do you what do you think would be best for you? Sometimes mm -hmm. parents are only making the decision themselves. And sometimes they're doling out money or they're they're making another decision that's really enabling them when in fact what they should say, what do you think is best for you? Yeah. And what, what on another earlier show we talked about the executive and a situation will come up. You need to have that tough conversation. You've got multiple children. Only one of them you see as the one to be the executor. How do you have that conversation with the, with all three of them and that the other two don't feel left out? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't have the perfect, I mean, you're the authority on that. Here's what, here's what I did with my family, right? So I, we have one of them as the executor. We have one as kind of the secondary. And the, the third one would we knew would be thrilled not to have to do any of that. So we're kind of lucky on that one. But we said, look, it, here's our plan. We're handing you a map. You don't have to do anything. It's not like you have to make these decisions because we've made the decisions for you. So we're here it is. See this little, you know, we have a notebook. See this notebook? It's a living trust. Here's, here's where our finances are. Here's all this. All you're going to do it's more work on your part. I'm very grateful and you don't get any more money for it, but you know, we'll, you'll get credit in heaven. <laughs> That's what we said to Christy. But we said, you just have to work this. And Rebecca, you're going to help her do that. That's our middle child. You're going to help her do that. And they, they have that skill set. But please know you have to make no more decisions because we've made those decisions. Now, if you want to fight for who gets the lamp, that's your deals. And that, and you know, but the truth of the matter is, is everything else in here. Um, you know, it's kind of mapped out for you. I think parents can do that in a really good way. That still doesn't mean there won't be tension with our kids or maybe, but because we had that conversation, because we took the lead, we made it easy for them. I don't think parents make it easy for even their adult children. So when you make it easier, now you're handing them a playbook as opposed to going, so what play are we going to play? What are we going to do? You know, nobody, nobody does sports, you know, basketball. Nobody goes out on the basketball court without a plan. We go into our our estates without a plan. That's crazy. But a lot of parents will shy away from these difficult uh, conversations because they don't want to have hurt feelings. They know that one child might take it the wrong way, or they might it might bring up tension in future family get-togethers. So they avoid the the the, the conversation altogether. Right. Right. Well, I think what, that's our natural. I think sometimes we have to bring up things that aren't necessarily comfortable, but but 
at the same time, when it's in front of them and they know what's in front of them, they're going to do a lot better than if they don't have the idea. And sometimes, honestly, with an executor and a lot of and you know this, a lot of people will say, you know, what, I'm not going to put my kids through this. I'm going to have somebody else, you know, yeah. make this happen because then the focus is off of that one person. If they wrote a check wrong or if they did something wrong with the trust or whatever. Now, now it's, you know, somebody else is going to do it. You pay for that. But that that if that's going to help the family do it. But even if you do do that, you still need to have that conversation. Exactly. And I said, you know what? I didn't want this to be on you. I, you know, I'm paying someone to handle this, but we're still going to have the conversation that one day I won't be here. Your mom yes. won't be here. And yeah. I did this to make it easier all on you. Yeah, That's no, exactly. I mean, I, I tell a story in the book on doing life with your adult children on under the money chapter on uh, a fact of a, a foundation that I actually speak for. These people... Uh, put 300 $300 million into their foundation uh, to do amazing things. They didn't tell their kids. So they gave their kids a million each, but the kids were doing the number counting, going, wow, we can get a new house. We can get new cars. You know, this is crazy. Then they, then the parent who had, the parents had every right to do this. Absolutely. But putting, but putting 300 million into it and not telling the kids, guess what? The kids all get together. They're suing each other. They're suing the foundation. Well, the parents made a mistake on that. I mean, I I respect these people. I respect that they could make that kind of income. I respect that they put this in the foundation. Awesome. Great. The mistake they made was they didn't tell their kids. So now these kids are in a mess and the kids resent the parents. The kids resent the foundation. The kids resent the parents' faith because this was a faith-filled foundation. Right. Now you're in a mess because, and all these parents needed to do was say, hey, you know what? We've had a very successful life. We're going to we're giving you guys a million dollars and the rest is going into the foundation. You know, anybody want to talk about it, but they didn't do it. So that came as a shock when the reading of the trust goes on and these, these they went, what? Ah, the smell of entitlement. <laughs> <laughs> so there, we could, there's a book in there, David, you can write it. <laughs> ah, the smell of entitlement just whiffed through the, through the room. <laughs> That is a great I don't know how that how that how that might have went down. Three hundred million. Here's your million each, and they're like, uh, they were probably already on their way to that meeting. They're already counting the yeah. money. Yeah. This is what we're gonna get. But you know what? Surprise! You're right, and it's and it's not having the conversation. The having the conversations with the um, with the adult children. The whole subject of it is is your is what your book is all about. It's an amazing book. Great book to read. It made me nodding, having to deal with an adult child. Some of the stuff like, okay, maybe I should back off in certain areas. What do you want the reader to walk away from after reading the book? You know what? I On this one, number one, I want them to make the decision to reinvent the relationship. And I want to give them the skills and the principles to do that. Because again, it's one thing to say, I've got to reinvent the relationship. But I want to give them a handle on how this can happen. And, and there's no easy magic form. There's no magic wand on this. But I think there are some principles that both come from when I wrote the book, because it's personal, a lot of personal stories out of my own desperation, but then also out of research. There's not a lot of research on uh, parenting and doing life with your uh, adult children. But the research is, is strong that when you put some of these principles together, it actually works. And people uh, write us, this book has been out for a couple of years doing life and people write us and say, wow, you helped us change the relationship with our kids. It's so much better now, so much better, even with grandkids and things like that. So, 
you know, that's what I hope happens. And uh, I hope it gives them encouragement to do that. I was going to end it. I was going to end it here, but I, I wanted to ask this question. You know, a lot of adult children have had strange, strained relationships with their with their parents. And as the parents are getting older, is there any way that you would suggest that you try to repair those um, uh, the relationships with the adult children? For whatever yeah. reason, they're not talking, maybe due to lifestyle choices. Um, you know, before you talk about the the 40-year-old living with the 19-year-old, is there what what could what can an adult parent do? You know, their their heart is breaking, they're getting older, and they want to repair. You know, can they do it? Should they do it? Or should they just make peace and say, Well, we're never going to be yeah. we're never going to be uh together? Well, I, I'm I'm for reconciliation, but what's what some of the parents aren't going to want to hear from me is that I think we have to take the lead. Not we don't expect our kids to do that. And when we do that, we it's not a tit for tat and still going back at it the same things. But you're still doing this. You have this bad habit, but you marry that person and they're terrible and you know you're a lousy parent or whatever. It's just simply build the relationship back. Keep your re, keep your mouth shut. Don't go tit for tat on the issues that cause the estrangement. And begin to slowly build it. And whenever you possibly can, say, uh, you know, there, it's it's a there's a, a contraction in one word. I'm sorry. Uh, nobody's perfect, and I'm sorry we, we're in this mess. And I want to rebuild it. My heart says it. And then you can you can you know you take baby steps into it. But when you do that, I'm seeing a lot of success now with parents. As long as they don't come in and go, I want to be reconciled, but you're going to have to change. No, I'd I'd love to have reconciliation, and maybe we could start with a cup of coffee. And we have a cup of coffee and we talk about stuff that isn't as important as whatever our heart is breaking with. But then we still have the cup of coffee. And the next time and say, hey, do you want to do lunch together, you know, in a few weeks? I'd love to take you to, I know you like that restaurant. I'd love to take you to that restaurant. And you begin building it back and building trust back into it. Estrangement happens because we don't trust. We don't feel safe. So as parents, sometimes we have to take that deep breath and say, well, you know, my child and, and, you know, and is probably to blame. And, and what and what if because it's kind of going on in my own family right now um and yeah. what if, it, if it's the the catalyst of this the breakup is based on a spouse speaking to the adult child and it's affected how he is treating his mother and father and they yeah. have they're no, estranged no. and there's grandchildren yeah. is it on the on the the parent to try and say I'm so, I'm sorry even though they're not responsible for yeah. this way where yeah. it's fractured I think sometimes the Again, I go back to the parent. I think the parent can do something. Uh, here in my office, there's a woman who has the with her son, and the and and in the book, I talk about uh, that exactly in, in principle number eight. And one of the things that she did, which I thought was brilliant, and it, and it actually has worked, she was she couldn't get to her son and the grandkids because the spouse was blocking it. You know, the in law, the 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 wife was blocking her and saying bad things. And she, and I said, well, what does she like to do? So uh, she loves coffee. I said, why don't you go buy her a Starbucks card? Just give her a note. Don't even ask her to go to Starbucks. Just give her a card and say, I was just thinking about you. And saying, hey, if you ever need help with the kids, cheer cheer her on for whatever it is. So the woman goes, oh, thank you. you didn't really like the mother-in-law. Right. Kind of probably jealous. This goes on and on. Finally, she goes, hey, let's us go get coffee. Another time, you know what? We're in a met. We're in a bind. Can you help with the kids? They have a couple of kids. Grandma shows up and she, you know, she's loving on the kids and she's showing all this. Guess what? It's melted now where this woman went, wait, she loves my kids. She's not going to replace, she's not trying to replace me as the love of, you know, yeah. my husband's life. Sometimes right. there's that kind of thing. 
Now she has the, so I'm telling you a victory story and I, I guarantee you, David, there aren't always victory stories. But what I found was she had the patience to go after her and be her greatest cheerleader and not be negative to her. Now, again, I'm not one who says you can't be negative at times, but she just went, look at, I'm going to cheer this woman on. And uh, you know what? I don't think she raises the kids right. I definitely don't think she treats my son right. And I know she doesn't treat us right. I'm just keep my mouth shut on that. But there's some things I can cheer her on for. And by doing that, she opened the relationship and now they celebrate birthdays together and she gets as much time with the kids and they go to the games and cheer on even sitting with her. Sometimes she'll come and bring her a coffee because coffee is their theme. She'll bring her a coffee. Um, good job on this woman's part because she she broke open. She had a breakthrough and it started with a you know $25 Starbucks card. It's it's uh all of these relationships as people get older, especially we're dealing with an adult child, it, it is it does it, it's difficult for the parent and also for the child going forward. And that's why I encourage people to go out and buy your book, Mr. Dr. Jim Burns, author of Doing Life with Your Adult Children, Keep Your Mouth Shut and The Welcome Mat Out. I thank you so much. This is such a it's a really good book. Encourage people to go out and buy it. I know it's available at Amazon, but if people also want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? They can go to homeword.com, H-O-M-E-W-O-R-D.com. And that's our website at uh, Homeward. And we've got lots of books, lots of courses, lots of seminars we do around the around the North America and actually around the world. So it's a, it's a great website. Lots of free blogs and culture updates and all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah, I was at the website. It's a great uh, resource. Once again, Jim Burns, thank you very much for being here on the Executor Health Podcast. My pleasure, David. Thanks for what you do. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or by leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. To catch up with all the latest from me, go to davideady.com. There you can follow me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next time.